Life Audio. You are listening to Hope for Women with Father Wounds, Episode 46, Exchanging Father Wounds for the Love of God the Father with Denise J. Hugh. I'm your host, Kia Stevens. This podcast is for women who have experienced pain in their father-daughter relationship as a result of divorce, abandonment, abuse, incarceration, addiction, or a physically present but emotionally absent father. The aim of this podcast is to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. If you are benefiting from this podcast and think it might help another woman, I encourage you to share it with a friend, rate, comment, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Today's conversation is with Denise J. Hughes. Denise is a teacher at heart. She connects with women through inspiring stories and biblically based messages that meet women right where they are at in everyday life. In addition to authoring several books, she's also the general editor of two multi-author works, including the CSB Encouraged Devotional Bible for Women, B&H. Her newest book, Sanctuary, is a 31-day devotional that helps women find true peace among the noise, busyness, and pressures of life. With a Master's of Arts in English, Denise taught college composition, and she currently writes for the First Five app by Proverbs 31 Ministries. Denise lives with her husband and three kids in North Carolina, where she always finds time for old books, peach tea, and a good football game. I'm so excited about this conversation, so let's dive in. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, hi, everyone. I am excited to be with a new friend today, Denise J. Hughes. Denise, how are you today? I'm so great. Thanks. It's so nice to be here with you. It's awesome to be with you, too. And for those of you who are not familiar with Denise, I just want to read her bio with you so that you can meet a new friend. Denise J. Hughes is a teacher at heart. She connects with women through inspiring stories and biblically-based messages that meet women right where they're at in everyday life. And who doesn't need that? In addition to authoring several books, she also has is a general editor of two multi-author works, including the CSB Encourage Devotional Bible for Women with B&H. And her newest book, Sanctuary, which we're going to dive into today, it's a 31-day devotional that helps 
women find true peace among the noise, busyness, and pressures of life. Yes, and amen, Denise. She has an MA in English. Denise has taught college composition, and she currently writes for the First Five app by Proverbs 31 Ministries. Denise lives with her husband and three kids in North Carolina, where she always finds time for old books, peach tea, that's a new one, and a good football game. Welcome, Denise. Thank you. Well, I want to just go ahead and get started by diving into your new book, Sanctuary. I love the title. Can you tell us why did you select the title Sanctuary? Well, Sanctuary really became the cry of my heart and my heart's prayer. I was just in a season where that verse in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, where Paul says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And I thought, man, my life is anything but quiet right now. Just, you know, and I think a lot of us can relate just with the nature of our culture and all the screen time we have now. It's kind of an always on culture. And it's not just the literal noise. It's also the visual noise with just the constant screen scrolling and the constant images wherever we go. I mean, there are flat screens now in restaurants that didn't used to have TV screens. And even elevators can sometimes have a video screen that will start talking to you. And you go to the gas station and you start pumping gas into your car and there's a video at the pump that starts talking to you. I mean, it's everywhere we go. There's just noise. But really, there's also that noise inside of us. And so I started pursuing what does it look like to lead a quiet life in what I would say is a very loud and noisy world. And so that just became my heart's cry. Lord, I'd want sanctuary from just kind of the, the chaos and the noise around us in the world. And where do I go to find that? And so I just started studying all the sanctuaries in the Bible. So really the desire for sanctuary, a place of quiet and peace and respite and solace from the world around us, that became my heart's prayer. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. And I love that you tackle some of the challenges associated with sanctuary. I think, you know, it's unique in a devotion to say, hey, I want to acknowledge the fact that this might also be difficult for you. And then you go deeper into some reasons why it might be difficult. So I want to hone in on your day five, because in day five, you share about a pastor who baptizes you and then he up and leaves town. And then you say that pastor was my father, which I know was devastating for you. And you're saying that in relation to when you're trying to establish a sanctuary in your heart, in your home, and you have recollections of this painful spiritual leader or a painful biological family member, you know, that's making it difficult for you to establish that. Can you talk a little bit about that experience in your life? Yes. In writing about sanctuary and, and inviting women into a place where Christ is their sanctuary, I think it's important to pause and recognize that for a lot of people, the literal sanctuary, perhaps a church building or a church body, has not been a sanctuary for some people. And there has been sin and brokenness 
and people have experienced great pain in the context of what we would call an earthly sanctuary. We tend to call the place where people meet at church the sanctuary. And we know that in the New Testament, God says the people are the church. But just in our everyday vernacular today, we call that place, that church building, the, the main room where we gather, we call that the sanctuary on Sunday mornings. And for many people, a sanctuary has been a place of great pain and a, a place of really great sorrow. And in some places, even a place where crime has been committed. I mean, people have been traumatized and victimized in in those contexts. And of course, that's never God's design. That's never God's will or plan for us. But in this very broken world we live in, some people have really suffered at the hands of a pastor or a clergyman. And if I'm going to write this book about sanctuary and I want to invite women into a place of peace, knowing Christ is their sanctuary, I think it's important to pause and recognize that some women have really experienced a lot of pain in that very context. And I can relate to that because, as you said, I grew up a pastor's kid. My dad was the pastor, and that was the life I knew growing up. And then when I was 14, my dad left. And my parents were the kind where they never fought in front of us kids. So I really didn't know that there were problems going on. So it was just a complete blindside to me. Dad left. He left town. Two weeks later, he moved in with someone I didn't know he knew, started living with some other woman. And, you know, it became like he did a 180. He started living in such a way that was completely opposite of what he had once preached. And so as a 14-year-old, I mean, my mind, I'm just... I, I just feel like my whole reality has just like tumbled like a house of cards. Like what is up and down anymore? I don't even know this person who I thought I knew is now living a totally different lifestyle. And, and it just makes, it makes you feel very disoriented when it's not only your father, but also the pastor of your church and the spiritual leader at the church and also the spiritual leader in your home. When that kind of abandonment happens, it just sends you to this place where you're just asking all these questions. So when it comes to father wounds, man, you and I could talk a long time, my friend. Yes. So I thought it was important to really address that because it's it's a very real occurrence, sadly so. But the good news is God is our father is so different from any heavenly father we might have known. And when we get to know God on, on God's terms, then we can see such a vast difference between our heavenly father and perhaps the earthly father that some of us have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, Denise, I'm so glad you brought that up. I imagine that just by the sheer fact of probability, somebody is listening that has probably felt violated in the church or just wounded in the church by a spiritual leader, a male spiritual leader. And someone has definitely experienced father wounds. Maybe their father was a pastor or a deacon or some other leader in the church. And I'm so glad that you are letting them know there's hope. There is hope. And also to not skew their the perception of God with who their father may have been or that spiritual leader might have been. They're not the same. Man is flawed. God is perfect. Man is finite. God is infinite. 
Man is impatient. God is patient. God is the antithesis of man. And so we do not have to view God through the lens in which we view our father. Then you talk about establishing a right view of God for women who have struggled to do that because there is some pain associated with either their father or spiritual leader. How did you go about having a right view of God? Oh, that's such a good question. When I was 17, I went to a summer youth camp and the speaker challenged us to go sit somewhere quietly by ourselves and read our Bible for 20 minutes. Well, like I said, I grew up in church. I grew up taking, you know, the Sunday school classes and I knew Bible stories, but I never really cracked open the Bible for myself. And when that speaker challenged us, I I went somewhere and I sat down and I thought, well, where do I even begin? I started reading God's word and it was really his grace to me because he made himself so real. And I just fell in love with reading God's word. And have you ever driven a car where it just kind of veers to one side? Maybe it's just kind of after a while, it's kind of veering to the left, or maybe it's just kind of veering to the right, just a little bit. And that's when our tires need alignment. We need to realign our tires, right? I think when we've been wounded in the church and we've been or and or we've been wounded by our father, our earthly father. I think that wound creates a brokenness in us, and and I'll just speak for myself, and that kind of creates a, a misalignment, and it it can, you know, make us feel very hesitant to ever step inside another church or sanctuary again, and it can make us very hesitant to trust God, a, a God the Father. That can make us very hesitant. And so you asked what helped me change my view of God. And it's reading his word and getting to know who he is as he has revealed himself. Now, in general revelation, he's revealed himself in nature, and he is a God of beauty and a God of diversity. But in scripture, he has given us very specific revelation, and the whole Old Testament points to Christ. And then in Jesus, he's the word became flesh in John 1.14, and we can see who God is in Jesus. And the more we read about Jesus in the four gospels, and we see how Jesus treated people, and we see how Jesus interacted with those who are poor and marginalized in society, we see a person who we can't help but love and know that he loves us. And the more I got to know who God is, the more stark the contrast was between God the Father and an earthly father. So I feel like just over time, and it and it can be a long period of time, but just as we, the word, the Bible is oftentimes likened to water, the water of the word. And if you think about just taking your heart in your hands and just holding it under a stream of water and letting the water of the word just kind of pour over our hearts, I feel like that just creates so much healing. And it says in Psalm 107, maybe it's verse 19 or 20, that says he sent his word and healed me. There is great healing as we are immersing ourselves in God's word. And just as I was kind of using that analogy of, you know, tire alignment, kind of just 
you know, in our brokenness, we're kind of veering off to one side. I think as we immerse ourselves in the truth and beauty of God's word, that that creates healing in our hearts. He sent his word and healed me. And it heals our perception of who God is. And then that misalignment gets righted. And then we're on this straight and narrow path. And that's really just a testament to how much God loves us, that he sent himself for us and he's revealed himself to us through his word to heal us of those many, many wounds that we have experienced along the way. Mm -hmm. So beautiful and so well said. I really appreciate that you said it can take a lengthy amount of time. So so often we expect our healing to be instantaneous, you know, just snap your fingers and voila, but it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes God can heal us instantaneously, which I think is the beauty of a, a book like yours is that it's an invitation to come and repeatedly go and sit at the feet of Jesus. Here's a book that will guide you into a spending time with God and knowing who he is as he has revealed himself, not through a skewed lens. So I, I love how you said that. Now, can you talk just a little bit about trusting spiritual authority again? Because, you know, <laughs> we, we're not Christianity is not a faith that you do on your own. You do at some point have to gather with other believers. You do need a leader, someone to teach you the word of God. And so that puts you in a position to need another spiritual leader. And for many, that could be traumatizing to step foot back into a church, not talking about trusting God, because you just dealt with that and how the word of God heals us over time as we repeatedly go to the word of God and find out who he is based on scripture. But when you have to trust a person, that's different. Can you talk a little bit about your process in doing that? Yeah, it's a very good question. Scripture is so clear that God created a mechanism for his people to gather. He wants us to gather in a local church body. He wants us to be nourished and fed and cared for in the context of a local church body. That is God's good design and his good plan. But of course, no one person is going to be able to do that perfectly. So we don't expect a pastor and spiritual leaders, someone in spiritual authority, we don't expect them to do it perfectly, but we do expect them to have certain boundaries in place. And and even Paul stipulated some of the guidelines for those who are in spiritual leadership and spiritual authority. So we know it's God's plan for us. However, It can be very challenging to bring ourselves to admit to a new spiritual authority figure when maybe that person hasn't done anything to us, but we're bringing a lot of hurt with us. And one of the ways I have just worked on that over time is one, and some could argue with this, some would say you should just blindly trust your leaders. I I don't and I can't. I have to use real discernment. and. And part of that process for me before I will say, okay, I'm committing to this church body and this is a spiritual leader I trust and I can, I can yield to their authority. Uh, I spend time studying, researching and discerning and praying, Lord, is this where you have for me? And the number one question I ask is, is this pastor preaching God's word and preaching the gospel? 
not just giving, you know, positive motivational speeches on Sunday, but are they preaching the gospel? Are they preaching Jesus, our Savior, who came to save us from our sin? That's first and foremost. And if they're really preaching right truths, then then I kind of go to the next layer of, okay, this is a Bible-centered, gospel-centered church. Okay, that's great. But people are still human and, and people can still not necessarily use their authority in godly ways. So then I really do watch and and listen. I kind of keep my ear to the ground and, and I'm watching and I'm listening during the sermon for the tone of the pastor's heart for the broken. How does that person, how does that preacher, when he's preaching on Sunday morning, what's his tone toward those who are very broken and need healing? Is there a little bit of a sarcastic edge in his voice, a little bit of condescension? If so, that's a real red flag for me. But if there is really a gentle heart that longs to bring people to the table, longs to bring people in, that's a really positive sign for me. So I'm really listening to the pastor's heart and the pastor's tone, and I'm doing so. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not coming in with my defenses up. I'm coming in willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm still going to take some time to prayerfully listen and prayerfully discern, is this someone I can yield to their authority to? And I'm not going to sign on the dotted line and become a church member until I have kind of gone through that process and discerned. And honestly, I've just been walking with God long enough to know that when I have a question, I go to God and I say, Lord, give me peace. Is this a decision I can make with peace? And if that peace doesn't come, then I know that's not the right decision for me or that's not the right place for me. And so I won't go that way. So I really wait until God has really given me a peace. And that's not something that happens overnight, but that happens over kind of the long haul of walking with God and trusting that he will bring that peace when he said, he gives us the green light and says, yes, this is where you're supposed to be. Did I answer your question? You did. You did. I think you gave a lot of great practical wisdom. I myself was a part of a church where there was an infidelity situation in the church and was really devastated. I was devastated. It took a very long time to heal. And then so many other parishioners were devastated. And and many haven't gone back to church because of that very reason. So I think that You know, you presented us two possible places where we could be with our defenses up, say, there's no way I'm going to step foot back in the church or I'm not letting my guard down. Or we could come in with our heart open, but also watching, cautiously watching and asking the Holy Spirit to give us counsel and, and wisdom. So I think those are some great nuggets. One thing that I do recognize is that sometimes as a safety mechanism or or as a way to protect ourselves, we might mask our pain or hide our pain even from ourselves or or just find a way to anesthetize the pain, if you will. What are some questions we can ask ourselves about our own heart that might help us to discover if we're carrying some pain associated with our sanctuary, pain associated with our father, with our spiritual leaders? I think some questions we can ask ourselves is, 
are we open or is our heart closed to new relationships? Because sometimes when we've been wounded, it's easy to kind of shelter in place with those we've known for a really long time, those we trust. And then we become just mistrustful of new people, or maybe we're just too worn and weary to put forth the effort to meet new people. So I would say one question to ask our hearts is how open are we to making new relationships, new friendships? Because I think our wound, in our woundedness, it's very easy to shelter in place and just stay with those who we feel most comfortable with, those we feel safe with. And we could be missing out on potential beautiful relationships just because we've got our guard up. So one question to ask ourselves is, how open are we to new relationships? I think another thing we can ask ourselves is, how much are we willing to serve others in their brokenness? I think sometimes when we're hurting, it's easy. I mean, my mom says there are two kinds of people in the world, skunks and turtles. And when skunks are upset, they make a big mess and everybody knows about it for miles around, right? But when turtles make, you know, when turtles are hurt or, you know, they will withdraw into their shell. And I think we can, I'm definitely a turtle. I can withdraw into my shell and focus on my pain and focus on my hurt. And one of the indicators that we're starting to experience healing is we become over time and it doesn't happen right away. And I don't think we should put pressure on ourselves for it to happen right away. There's there's a mechanism for grieving what we've endured and what we've lost. But on the other side of that grieving process, there is healing to be found when we begin to serve others in their pain. When we can start to do that, I think we're starting to get to the other side. And and I'm not saying everything will always be all hunky-dory and, you know, just ABC, check the boxes, and then everything's all grand and splendor after that. I'm not saying that, but I do think how well we're open to new relationships and how much we're open to serving others in their pain. I think those are two key indicators for us. Those are some really great questions that we can ask ourselves. I want to ask, do you have any scriptures that you would recommend that offer comfort or healing or just promote devotion with God and, and finding your sanctuary? What Bible passages would you recommend? Well, one of my favorites is John 1, 14, where it said, Jesus came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I, I just can't spend enough time meditating on the fact that Jesus wasn't 50% grace and 50% truth. He was 100% grace and 100% truth. And that brings great comfort to me. Another passage is in Revelation when it just says, holy, the, the cherubim or seraphim around the throne are saying 24-7. I mean, I know time is, is different up there and not quite what we how we experience time down here, but they are constantly saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I loved how one author put one time that, you know, the Bible doesn't say God is love, 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 or God is mercy, 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 but it says God is holy, holy, holy. And that, you know, we we have on our computers the ability to bold and underline and italicize in order to create emphasis. But back then, they didn't have those kinds of things to create emphasis. So what writers back then, when there weren't computers, what writers would do to create emphasis is they would use repetition. 
And in repetition, the writer of Revelation says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Well, that brings comfort to me because God is so holy, he cannot let injustice go unpunished. He can't. God is too righteous for that. And I think a lot of times we live in a world and sometimes in Christian women's circles, it's easy to focus on how God is love and merciful and grace. And that is all true. But he is also a God of truth and he is a God of justice and he is a God who's holy and he will not let the unjust go unpunished. And I think we can take rest and comfort in that, that wherever there has been an injustice, God's going to take care of it in God's timing. So good. I, as we're, as we're kind of talking about God being righteous and a God of justice and, and he will vindicate us. I do want to ask you, and I didn't give you this question beforehand, so you can plead the fifth, but did you reconnect with your father? Is he in your life now? I do have a relationship and I wouldn't say it's super deep and super, you know, flowery, but it's definitely open communication and we can talk. I've come to a place in my own life where I can forgive and I have and I've worked through that process. And sometimes that just has to be a one way street, though, like I'm loving and offering forgiveness and open to a relationship, however much then he might respond or reciprocate that that's up to him. And that's a great word of wisdom to offer women who have experienced pain in their father relationship to do what you can do on your end and then leave the rest up to God because our hope cannot be in a particular outcome or in the change of an individual. So I appreciate you sharing on that question that I did not send to you in advance. As we're bringing this interview to a close, been such a wonderful time with you, Denise. Can you share with me, what is your hope for readers of Sanctuary? What What's your desire for them? My hope is that as women living in a very noisy culture that's just constantly coming at us with images and demands and and it's such a loud culture i my hope and prayer is that women really will turn to christ and find sanctuary and find peace in the midst of all the crazy chaos of our world that we really can turn to him and find peace and find sanctuary for our hearts even here while we're here on this side of heaven on this earth I mean, it says in the Old Testament that when God's people were sent to Babylon and they were in exile, uh, God said in Ezekiel, I will be like a little sanctuary to them where they go. So he basically said, I'm going to be with you in exile. God is our sanctuary. And even as long as we're on this earth and living in the brokenness here, God is our sanctuary even here. Beautiful, beautiful. I hope that's an encouragement to you if you're listening and you are looking around at your life and feeling like this is anything but a sanctuary. Know that right there in what feels like a mess to you, God is creating a sanctuary for you to come and commune with him and worship him and know him as father. I pray that that has been a blessing to you. Denise, would you just close us out in prayer and offer a prayer for those that are listening? 
Yes, of course. Lord, we just come before you and we thank you that you are a heavenly father who we can trust completely. We thank you that you are a good shepherd and you care for your sheep. And we're so grateful, God. Lord, I pray for each woman listening right now. If there has been a wound in their life from a father or a spiritual figure in some way, God, I just pray that you would help them to know that they can come to you and tell you all about it, They that you are here to listen to the cries of our hearts. And so I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to you and help them know that they can come to you and tell you about the hesitancies they might feel about stepping into another sanctuary or whatever their particular wound might be, Lord, that you are there to listen to them. And Lord, I just pray that in time that they would come to see you as the safe haven that you really are. That's my prayer in Jesus, your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Denise. Thank you. You've been listening to the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, episode 46, Exchanging Father Wounds for the Love of God the Father with Denise J. Hughes. I hope this episode has been an encouragement to you, and I want you to know whether your dad is deceased, absent, divorced, unavailable, incarcerated, or you don't know who he is, sis, there is hope for you. Hope to be healed, hope to be secure, hope to be free, completely free, hope to be satisfied with the love of God. Yes, there is hope for women with father wounds. This was episode 46 of the Hopeful Women with Father Wounds podcast. I am your host, Kia Steven. If you are benefiting from this podcast and think it might help another woman, I encourage you to share it with a friend, rate, comment, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Be sure and check out the links associated with this podcast so you can access several free resources for you. Also, for even more support, I encourage you to purchase my newly released book, Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love, wherever books are sold. Thanks for listening to this episode, and I hope you will join me for episode 47, Exchanging Father Wounds for the Love of God the Father with Patrice Burrell. Hope for Women with Father Wounds is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, my name is Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.